face. Zero, he just has to dive on in. Zero's been the hero. That's it this time. Rise Nation with the victory. Alrighty, what is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of COD Talks. I am your host, Furs95. Very special episode today. I am finally joined by a guest. I have Tactical Rab on with me. Say what's up to the people, sir. Oh, what's up, guys? Nice to be on the show. Big fan. Watch yeah, you when I can. We and, got a um, European Nice to in the share house. some thoughts, you know? Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, obviously... The big thing on today's agenda is going to be going over CWL Anaheim, which took place over the weekend. Hopefully, most of you guys will be able to watch. Um, there were just a ridiculous amount of good matches. Anaheim never disappoints. It's just it's probably the most iconic event every year outside of champs, obviously. Uh, the crowds are always insane. Uh, it's just a great, great location for COD tournaments. And uh, this weekend was was just another classic Anaheim. Uh, first yeah, of all, it was no exception. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, first and foremost, I just want to go over the results. I'm sure most of you guys know them already. But uh, obviously, Rise Nation, uh, congrats to them on winning it. And congrats to Gunless on another MVP. The man is just, he's just a freak. But uh, first and foremost, obviously, Tactical, what were your just kind of initial thoughts on the whole tournament? Oh, man, like... It, it was it was mad. Anaheim, like once I was amazed actually when I was doing the weekly recap post today. The amount of like highlight clips and moments, like we had the, the hard point draw with Rise and Red. We had Mind Freak with a two eleven to two ten win. Epsilon and E six had like a two hundred to one ninety nine hard point win. Um, it was pretty mad, but like as far as the results go, it kind of went as expected. Really, like I expected Rise to win. I expected Red to be their closest challenges. Yeah. And then I guess the biggest surprises for me were, like, I don't know what you'd say were your biggest surprise team of the tournament, but either Unilad or LG for me. Like, yeah, most I, people I probably agree. say Unilad. But. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that um, it, it's funny. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that it, it was. As, as like crazy of a tournament it was, uh, the top eight, let's just go down real quick. So Rise obviously finished first, uh, Red finished second, LG finished third, Unilad finished fourth, FaZe and Optic finished fifth, sixth, and Tainted Minds and Mind Freak seventh, finished seventh and eighth. Uh, first of all, I got to give a shout out to your European boys. Two teams in the top <laughs> four. I don't, has that ever happened before? I don't think it's ever happened before. Uh, once, it but... happened last year at Anaheim, would you believe? We had two oh, teams in the top three. We had Splice lost ah, to LG say, in the finals, I, uh, okay. and they beat Epsi. So apparently Anaheim's our event now. That's awesome. Um, it's well, yeah, not very good it, for the it, viewers. It was but, just a great, um, it was just it a great international team. event. I mean, two Australian teams in the top eight. I know that's never happened. That's never happened before, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, Sorry. as far as surprises go, I definitely think, I mean, LG and Unilad were definitely uh, surprises, but my biggest one was Tain of Minds. I mean, if you'd have told me they were finishing in the top eight, I'd have called you insane. Like, they, considering their pro league uh, results so far, I think, are they are they defeated? They might have won one series win, but... Um, I don't think they have a win. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I know they, they've been struggling in pro league and to come out and finish top eight at Anaheim where the competition is, is just ridiculous nowadays is uh, very impressive. So shout out to the Aussies for, you know, Mind Freak, uh, 
I'm not all that surprised by Mind Freak, to be honest. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on them, but uh, my quick thoughts are is that Mind Freak is, is a team that's demonstrated time and time again that they can compete with anyone in the game. So to see them finishing top eight wasn't that big of a surprise to me, um, but Tainted Minds for sure was a huge shock. I mean, it was just it was just so weird, like the way Tainted Minds won that. Or, or like won the games to get to that position because they come into pools, they get absolutely smoked in pools. They lose to the open bracket team. Like they get, they win three maps in pools. They lose to everyone. They win a map off Red, which is a search. Uh, they win a map off E United, and then they lose. Like they lost to Ghost as well. I don't even know if they won a map against Haggis, like Haggy's team. And then they go into losers and. They beat out Regal, whoever they were. Then they beat Epsi in a game five. They somehow 3-0 Envy. That then they 3-0 Echo like, Fox back-to-back. Like, what is going on? That is that is where it started with that Envy match. That How was did just they hit that kind of form? Insane. They're literally getting shit on all tawny. And yeah, then they, they, just... they just turned it on in that loser's bracket. I don't know what it is about European teams, man. Red Reserve is always making those crazy loser bracket runs. It's just, it's resilience. It's it's really impressive when, when you're Wow, Red made well, that like run that. at Atlanta. And um, fortunately, this time we didn't have to do it. But, uh, man, like if we'd have won that winner's bracket final. Oh, man. We'll we'll get into Red Reserve mm, here. In, in yeah, we'll minute, get into but, that. Um, yeah, Mind Freak, just quickly touch on that. I mean, they had a pretty impressive tournament. I was impressed by them in pools. Like, they went three and one in pools. Like, that's who do they beat here? They beat um, EG. They beat EG yet. and Echo Fox both in game fives. Yeah, they took down right. Anivate. It feels like pool play was ages ago, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, that and they beat Mind Freak in a game. Oh, they sorry, they beat Splice in a game five as well to get to get a top eight place in. So I mean, their game five S and Ds were. That's one thing I'm really impressed about in this team is their resilience. Like I was behind, standing behind them at Birmingham. They like they got absolutely destroyed in a CTF, and then they just like shook it off, like bump fist, and then they just went again in the next map and won it. Unlike. That's really impressive. Really impressive to do that. I have the stats pulled up real quick. Um, so Mind Freak's KD's ratios were Buzzo had a 0.94, Dens had a 1.2, Fida had a 0.94, and Shocks had a 1.23. Yeah, their team is just crazy. Shocks and Dens are They're the legitimately world class players. Like they, they could get on. Like, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they moved to North America or because they had that opportunity to do it with Cloud9, remember, right? Like last You're year, right. and they turned it down apparently. But like, they're just a class above Fighter and Buzzo. Like, Buzzo has been decent, and Fighter is, I guess, the same. But like, those two are literally superstars. Yeah, and I agree 100%. I think Denzel shocks. They would so many teams, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think those two, they definitely deserve to, well, obviously they're in the pro league, but like, I I just feel like their talent's almost getting wasted uh, with this team. Like they, they are consistently putting up numbers uh, throughout pro league, throughout tournaments. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think the only real possible option is to move to North America um, just because obviously there's, there's, that's where the talent is. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do if I don't know if, if they're ready for that type of commitment. But I'd sure like to see it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's an interesting one because, like, it, I mean, if COD goes five v five, then who knows? You know, I mean, that's people have been talking about it. That's um, an interesting conversation that I want to save for another episode. <laughs> but I would love to get into it. Um, 
yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about COD going 5v5, but we'll we'll stick to Anaheim for now. Um, and Two things we've we got to cover before we move on from, um, from the standings. We've got to talk about EG and Envy. Yes, I agree. Yes. Those are probably, would you say, two biggest disappointments of the tournament? Well, I mean, EG especially. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think who else like kind of disappointed. I guess Splice was outside the top eight, but they've been wildly inconsistent this whole year. Um, let's see. Who who else? Yeah, as I mean. As far as Ed, Rise, Red, LG, Unled. I don't know. I mean, Optic was... I have a lot of thoughts about Optic. I, I mean, as I don't know if you're aware, but I, I am an Optic fan, so I am biased. But um, I guess let's just get into Optic for a little bit here. You know... It's it's so frustrating to see them continually struggle throughout uh, bracket play throughout this year, because for the longest time there throughout their dynasty, they were a team that only got better as the tournament goes along, and they would you know they were they were having struggles yeah. on Fridays, and then you know it's like ah it's okay they'll brush it off they'll come back and because they only get better, but now it feels like it's the opposite. They have great pool plays, and then they just come into bracket play and I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a mental thing, mental block at this point, but it's just, it's frustrating to watch because again, I think methods in particular, I got to give a huge shout out to methods. He played phenomenal the whole weekend. Uh, he's probably <clears throat> one of the only reasons optic made it as far as they did in losers bracket. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I think scump and crim in particular, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, I guess, where do you think things went wrong for Optic? Oh, man. Like, their Fridays are so good, as you say, but you always have to take their pool play with a grain of salt because they go in and they destroy everyone, usually. That's what I thought when CWL Seattle, when when they lost in pools to Envy, like, that's when I knew, like, th this is over for their team. Like, there's no way... If, if their team is losing in pools to Envy, which never happens, I knew that roster was going to break up like, as soon as they lost that series. And then here, you know, they come out, they go 4-0, as, as usual. Um, and then I was honestly <laughs> amazed at how, uh, the, like, LG beating them, to be honest. I, I did not expect that to happen one bit. I, I mean, I guess I didn't take a big enough grain of salt with the, with the pool play situation. But, I mean, LG played great. And then Optic go down to losers. And so far this year... Like once Optic get to have gone to losers, they just get eliminated straight away. Like they lose full or or something's going on. Like they realize they can't win the event and they just get 3 0 But this time they took out E United. Then who do they take down next? They took out E United, then they dealt uh, Tate with Mines, I believe. Tate and Mines. Yeah. See, okay. So they took down Tate. Like the you can't really say much about that. And then they're playing Unilad. Like what I find amazing about this series is this is like for top four. If they win this game, Optic have a chance at actually winning it. And, like, they go game five, okay. But 4v3, bomb down. Well, I know this will make you feel bad. Oh, man. Don't really want to remind you. <laughs> but 4v3, bombs down on the A site. And just just so many so many mistakes. I, I'm just amazed that a team with Crim6 missed a game five himself absolute veterans of the scene lose to like 19 20 year olds who like they're the ones who should be getting nervous and making mistakes i don't understand what's happening to optic like i don't really want to make a csgo analogy but in cs there's the phase clan team has quite recently 
in the last few months have had problems choking big tournaments. Like they make it to the final and then they lose. And they're the yep. better team. And individually throughout their careers, they've been incredibly good clutch players. But then for some reason, it seems like this way with Optic. Like when you put the cogs together, there's there's still an underlying issue in that team. And if you, I just think if you can't beat Unilad, and it's it's not a good sign, you know. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, as much as I'd say it, it's it's I almost have a loss for words. One thing I will say is though, is everyone's giving Scump a bunch of crap for making that infamous now push through the smoke, which was a bad play. I mean, hundred like there's no doubt about it. Uh, but again, I guess you know, it, I I I'm hesitant to like firmly call it a bad play because for all we know, maybe Krim told him to push through the smoke. Um, you know, I, I haven't I haven't heard any of the team like I guess we'll see on the next vision I assume, but we haven't seen mm-hmm. any of them actually comment about what really went down in that round eleven. Um, but clearly a lack of miscommunication at the very least, right? I mean, like you said, four v three, bomb down. There's no reason to lose that. I mean, just none. But. I think some of that, not to make excuses, but some of that is probably due to the fact that these guys haven't been playing together for that long. Let's not, you know, this is still a new roster. This is their first major LAN. Not saying it's excusable, but, you know, mistakes like this are going to happen when you make a roster change of this ca- of this magnitude. And, you know, everyone's saying scump shit the bed. Scump had a 1.17 in S&D throughout the tournament. Now, I know... A lot of that is a bit uh, inflated due to the pool play, but it's not like they were playing slouches in pool play. They're playing splice, complexity, uh, who else? And envy. envy. Those are all pro yeah. league teams. So I think it's, you know, Scump's getting scapegoated a little too much in my opinion. Crim's getting scapegoated a little bit. I just, I think it's a whole. I think it was just a lack of, uh, sort of being on the same page, you know, between all four of them. And you know, again, these are mistakes that. Shouldn't happen, but the best you can do is just hope that they don't continue with these mistakes, right? Learn from your mistakes, uh, correct them, go back, watch VODs, stop ego challenging. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just it feels like the basics, but they just they got to be reminded. It's 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 so like you said, it's so weird. And I think that phase that CS phase comparison is very uh, it's a good one because when you have veteran players of this magnitude making mistakes like that. You just don't have a whole lot to say. It's like watching, you know, LeBron do something that J.R. Smith did in the NBA finals. It'd be like LeBron doing it. It's like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it feels like it's a mental block at this point. You know, they know better. Uh, it just feels like it's, it's just a lack of uh, lack of focus. Um, but enough of optic. I'm done talking about optic. Move along. <laughs> uh, um, so the next, let's see. I guess we'll get higher up in the placings. I guess we can just well, like well, let's touch on Unilad because Unilad, like we touched on earlier, it was arguably the biggest shock of this tournament. You know, I think despite I think what are they in pro league? They're about I think sitting around 500. They've looked they're five, good in pro five league. Oh, they look. Oh, you're right. You're, they, they look good in pro Wait. league, but. You know, I'll be the first one to say I did not expect them to carry this into a major land. Uh, I was definitely a doubter, but they completely proved me wrong. Um, what were your thoughts on Unilad? I mean, Unilad is such an interesting team for me because they, they formed the rumor is that so Scraps leaves for Red Reserve and 
Tommy was um, obviously gets kicked from Splice, and the way apparently it went down was that Tommy was approached by Unilad um, because Splice were considering picking up Scraps, or at least Scraps was considering going to Splice. Right. So Unilad approached Tommy uh, as if to pick him up, um, but then Red Reserve made Scraps an offer. So or, or Scra- Red Reserve, sorry made Tommy an offer and Tommy decided he was going to consider that. And like he said, the Unilag guys, like I've got another offer I'm going to consider. And they took that. Apparently this is Tommy's words from what I've listened to. Um, the, the Unilag guys decided, well, you know, if he's considered enough for offer, he doesn't want a team with us. So we're going to pick up Zed. And then what ended up happening was there's red then off, offered made an offer to Scraps, then he joined there, and then Tommy's left without a team. So it's very interesting because when this roster was formed, like the the majority opinion was that Tommy would have been a better, better pickup than Zed, right? Experience, talent, you know, he can guide like the young guns, all that stuff. And maybe the roster still would have been good, but I don't think it would have been. Sometimes you get this combination of young players uh, kind of like the Hyper Games team in Black Ops 3. And just the teamwork just clicks. And for some reason, they don't seem to need a leader. I think maybe Shawnee's acting in that role. But like they have a great AR talent in Ruskin. Oh, Alex sure. has really proved to be a sick player. And yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I You look at their stats, though, and... So their KDs for Anaheim were Alex had a .97, Shawnee had a point. And I just, I, it's funny. You have three players with negative KDs, so that just shows me that these guys know how to play the game. I mean, they have a great understanding of the game. It's kind of like um, Red Reserve's hard point, right? Red Reserve gets mm-hmm. out, get it, gets out slate all the time at hard point, yet still wins uh, most of those games. So that just shows me that they have a fundamental understanding of the game. They they seem to work really well together. Like you said, their chemistry is already great. And I think yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. I guess the the question that I want to propose about Unilad is where's where's the ceiling for this team? Because I think they've looked great so far, obviously. But do, do we really think this team has potential to win a major land? You see, it's it, with Rise looking the way they look right now. I like I don't think it's possible. And it, I mean. I want to say that because they're a young team lacking experience, when they get in the high-pressure moments, it's unlikely they're going to succeed. But, I mean, they've pulled it off against Optic, so it's difficult to say. Um, but as for winning as for winning a major LAN, I don't, I don't really think it's feasible. I, what I have been really impressed with, though, is their CTF. At the start of the year, Unilad with Scraps was probably the worst S&D team, or oh, CTF team, sorry, I've ever seen. They were constantly getting blown out. You might as well write it off. And then for some reason, something clicked, even with scraps in the team. And they have been like a really solid S&D, like I keep saying S&D, really solid CTF team. Like they've played Optic twice now, once in the league and now here. And they've yet to concede a flag to Optic. They won 3-0 on Arden in the Pro League. Then they won 4-0 on Flak Tower here. So for some reason, their CTF is, is great. And that's like a real... A real stepping stone. Like their S and D is also solid, but if you can consistently be winning CTF maps, like if I was any top team, apart from maybe Rise, I'd be scared to play them on Arden CTF, which is probably their best map. And then Optic vetoed it, I think, went to play um, Flak Tower and got destroyed anyway. And that's one of Optic's best maps. 
So like you have a real strength there, but I'm not sure if they quite have the slaying power. Like Waskin's great and Alex has been phenomenal, but and Shawnee with the bar in his hands has put on some absolute performances on like Valkyrie and Docs. But like Zed has also been quite impressive. But I think if they want to really be a top team, they need a sub player that can put up like 1.05s and above, you know what I mean? Like that's going to be the next step for them, I think, unless Shawnee picks it up. But like, I don't really see that happening. And I don't think they'll place higher than top four. And with LG looking good again, I don't know if they'll beat them second time around. I'm still a little bit skeptical. I think they, I think they definitely overperformed in this tournament. I don't think they're a top four team in the world. Um, but I mean, we'll have to see. They keep surprising me. You're right. I, I agree with everything you said. I think that ultimately, mainly with the way red and riser looking i just don't think they can keep up kill for kill with a team of that caliber but you know who knows i mean if you'd have told me that they were placing top four of this event i called you i would have called you crazy so and, and i think you make a really good point about their ctf too we looked i mean the th from the opposite from the other end of the spectrum look at optics ctf their ctf completely costed them in mm -hmm. the two series that they lost so ctf in general is it's a it's a crucial game mode i know it obviously is the only game mode that gets played once but you look at all the time i mean red and, and rise's ctf are so good that apparently they don't even scrim them which <laughs> yeah is i mean i'd love to get your thoughts but my initial thoughts on that is like okay off like the first the second i hear that it sounds insane right why would you not scrim it i mean you're you're just oh you're holding away strats or whatever but it seems to be working for them um so i can't knock them too hard for it what, what are your thoughts on that i mean i don't like it first of all i think you should be practicing every game mode, but to, to some extent ctf is is relatively simple and it's very team-based and it's all about communication like everyone understands that you push like you set up in this position you push this side of the map like say on arden you have a guy you have a guy ice um on this is attacking on the bad side you have a guy ice you get a couple of kills you get your guy to push through ice force the spawns out towards cabin like everyone understands how to pull on both sides so and to some extent when they go for a listening with rise nation i'm unbelievably impressed with the communication out of gunless and looney like oh the whole lot really are, TJ's communication isn't great, but the rest of the guys seem to have it nailed down. No, I, I agree 100%. I, ultimately, I, I think you are right that it is, in the end, probably dumb not to scrim it like at all. I don't know if they like literally aren't scrimming it online or like on land bef you know, before a, game, a match or whatever, but I got to believe they're at least scrimming at some they're just maybe not doing it online or something i don't i don't know they're not very vocal about that but you are right again I mean, also reserve, right? Like, on doc ctf just absolutely wiped the floor oh like, man they were actually wrecking everyone they beat united 11-2 on that like yeah, what is going on zero was just 2.5 kd like i mean if he had an 18 kill streak on that map against tainted minds like, if they're not scrimming it, like, Jesus, you know what, like, the, the quote is, like, um, winning is teaching, losing is learning, whatever. I guess if you're so good at a map, do you really want to scrim it against the top teams? 
because they're going to be like, oh, you know, Zero likes to likes to flank, flank through second hill there. You know, if you're so good, kind of like the um, the splice Halo team. You know, I don't know if you watch Halo much. I don't at all. But I watch the World Championship and their Halo team. They don't scrim anyone. They play two v two Halo on. I like, did. I did servers. hear about that. And like, yeah, they just I mean, play super fast no, or something, and no one can even. No like, one can beat him because yeah. no one knows how to beat him because you don't get the chance to play him. I watched so, the beat Optics former roster. Uh, which exactly. Was, yeah, heartbreaking. But <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's just funny. I think it, it's. I think there's definitely there's probably a case to make that if you're red or rise, you don't want to scrim other top teams such as you know lg optic uh maybe because of what you just said obviously is because you're allowing them to learn your tendencies but i don't really see the harm in scrimming like maybe like lower tier teams like for you know rise to scrim you know complexity or something along those lines because Uh again it's like it, it the game mode is only so it's not that complex I mean, it's, we're talking Call of Duty here. Let's be honest. There's not a ton of mind-bending strats or anything that you're going to give away, especially in a respawn game mode like CTF. So, I don't really see the harm in scrimming like lower-tier teams. But I think there might be a point to be a, a, a case to be made uh, for not scrimming teams that you really feel like are a real threat, and you don't want to give them any sort of little edge uh, with regards to tendencies and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting sort of perspective. I've never even heard of scream of teams not scrimming game yeah, modes until this nice. year. So. I guess with that said, guys, I guess let's just get into the finals. Uh, you know, the placings, like we said, I mean, FaZe, obviously not much to touch on with FaZe. You know, they played pretty well. Zuma, I guess, is the only real thing to talk about. Had by far his worst event. Uh, I think his overall kitty was like a 0.87. Yeah, it was a 0.87, which, I mean, again, by far yeah. his worst event of the year. As we go down the line here, Attach actually had a 1.16, Priesta with a 0.96, and Replays with a 0.95. So, I, I mean, mean, Attach is playing the flex now, right? Like, that's correct. Which, their again, team. Yeah, I didn't I mean, think he would. Touch. I mean, I, he definitely overperformed because he did not look good in pro league uh, after ever since he made the role change. But I, I didn't yeah. get to watch a ton of phases matches. Uh, I, I didn't I guess... think they were good value for their placing. I'm not gonna lie. I was not impressed with, like, they they reverse swept E United, which it seems like anyone can do. They won a game five round eleven against E United. Yeah, that's they who they has, lose you know? to Red three <laughs> one. They beat Tainted Minds and then they win another game five against Ghost. Then they drop. They do they come second? Yeah, they come second in the pool. They get three would by Unilad. Then they beat TK 3-1, which is like, you know, okay, that's a respectable win. But TK, like, is TK's a Wildly weird team. They come out and 3-0 rise right at the start. And then <laughs> and then they end six. up losing to E6 who come out of pools. So, like, you know, FaZe beat them, but that's not the best result I've seen. And then they beat Mind Freak in a game five before getting 3 would by LG. So if you look at the teams they beat, like I really Not wasn't that impressed with them for their placing. Stiff competition, yeah. No, that's uh, yeah. Again, I I only got to see a few of their pool play matches, and they just look kind of like the same old phase, you know. I, I I hate to bag on them too hard because again, they've won a major tournament this year. They obviously they won stage mm. one playoffs, but it's largely an outlier. Uh, 
you know, maybe they'll prove us wrong, but they just seem to be too inconsistent. I don't think they've got any potential to win another tournament, to be honest. Yeah, I, I just, tend to agree. Especially, I mean, you can't have, I mean, especially with Zuma having a point eight seven, you definitely have no potential uh, well, yeah. with your star player having an event like that. I don't expect I that to continue, but. The, yeah, I mean, you look at Rise, right? The best team in the game. What are they doing right? They have an absolutely dominant AR and slasher. They have the best player in the game, in my opinion, Gunless, as the flex. You have Looney is criminally underrated, in my opinion. Like, he pulls the team together in terms of the leadership. And I think a player like Slasher needs a player like Looney, like another big personality, kind of like J-Cap, to, to kind of crunch heads with, in a way, rather than envy of the speaking things get out of control and then you've got tj who i think is definitely the most replaceable on the team um but i mean he's still a, a good talent with the smg and you look at phase compared to that like you have replays who's definitely a below average ar player priester was really good on the flex but apparently they're changing that around and i mean phase has a completely different team dynamic to what rise nation has oh 100%. And, I mean, like, unless Zuma is going off, which, I mean, his play style does not imply that he is going off. Like, he can have events like this where his mindless aggression is getting punished. Um, and Yeah, he's definitely a high-risk, high-reward type player. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Zuma's an interesting play style because when I watch him play, he plays like nothing like I'd want to play. He just runs at everything. He pushes out every single cut. Even if he's weak, he'll challenge a gunfight that he should be losing, but he has the gun skill to win it. And I think maybe teams are catching on are catching on to that and are realizing, like, okay, guys, just slow down. Zuma's just going to run into our bullets. And, I mean, they still play top six, but... I don't think they're good value for that place. Yeah, again, and and like you like you pointed out that the teams that went through, eh, I mean, you know, not the not the best teams that they had to go through, but you know, I guess let's keep going with. The, we got to touch on LG, of course, before we get into the to the finals. Oh, I mean, course. LG with the top three placing. You know, I know this was a surprise to a lot of people, but. I, I mean, I, okay, I will say that in my predictions, I didn't have him in the top eight, but so I, I don't want to come off as too much of a hypocrite, but I was <laughs> not all that surprised by this, to be honest. I think it was only a matter of time that that this roster was going to have a placing like this. It was just, you know, me and obviously most of us weren't expecting it to be this soon, but you know, you look at this roster, you look at the talent on this roster. I mean, these are guys that have, that are, are veterans that are winners, all, all four of them. And, uh, it was only a matter of time before they put it together. And, uh, you know, formal again is, is just, he's back. I mean, he's at, he's a hundred percent back. He had himself a great event. Uh, let me find his, uh, Katie real quick. He had a, he had a 1.12, uh, you know, Jacob had a 0.99. John had a 1.11 and slacked had a 1.01. So, I mean, down the line, you know, Formal and John are, are going to be a scary duo for a long time, I think. Uh, what are your what were your thoughts on LG? Well, I mean, LG, again, a very interesting situation because they make the roster change like Optic do. And I know you were talking earlier about Optic, you know, they still have kinks to iron out, which obviously is true. But Optic started off really hot with the new roster. Like they were smoking everyone in scrims. They start off 4-0 in the Pro League. And, they, and like they, they smash LG and everyone's like, wow, you know, 
contenders for best team in the game of Rise Nation. LG started off the complete opposite. They're not even in the top four right now in Division B. They're three and four with a 50% map win rate, like 14 and 14. So, but you know, some teams take a little bit of time to get it together. And, you know, they, they took a little bit of time to get formal into, I guess, mold him into how Jacob wants to organize the team. And, you know, we're coming up to champs and you know what Jacob's like at champs. So obviously we expected the team to improve. I, I was surprised they did as well as they did. If I look at the pools here, um, LG. So they beat everyone in the pool apart from Rise. They lost 3-1 to Rise, which obviously was a respectable loss. They go into the bracket. They take down Optic round one, which I was very impressed at. Um... And then yeah, they lose to Riz. Off that series, that was um, that was a tough one to watch as an Opt fan. Not gonna yeah, lie, but... yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if you look at the people they lost to that the whole tournament, they lost to Red twice and Rise once. Right? Those were like, yeah, they lost to Red. Did they, they lose, lose to, to Red, Red twice? twice? Oh, they did. And yeah, and Paul, you're right. Yeah. So they yes, yeah, so they lost to. Oh no, they didn't lose to Red. Sorry, they. No, where am I looking? But they did lose to red. Okay. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, they did. They must have done. Yeah, they lost to red twice. They lost in the semi again at the in the final bracket. Yeah. So they lost to the two grand finalists. That's the only teams they lost to. Yeah, that's I, so. I mean again like yeah, exactly like you said they lost to the two right now the two best teams in the game. I mean pretty clearly. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you just you gotta be you gotta be feeling good if you're LG. I mean, the, you know that, and, and I know that everyone is kind of saying, you know, obviously Ryzen Red, two clear-cut best teams in the game right now. Um, I kind of agree with that. There's definitely some truth to it, but I don't think LG's far behind. I mean, I think they proved that this weekend, and like, you know, they're only gonna get better, right? They're a new roster. Mm. And, you know, you just and, you know, give Cap more time with formal. He's only going to get better. So I I expect LG to be right there at stage two. I mean, if they there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to qualify for playoffs. If they don't, I'll be shocked. And uh, I think they'll definitely be competing for the title as well as a COD champs. Yeah, I, I I'm inclined to agree. I'm I'm very surprised with how quickly it seems they improved. Um, but I mean, I guess you'd expect it to be up from here. I'm not sure I'm. I'm not sure I'm necessarily willing to to put them clear cut top three. I still feel like there's other contenders. I I dare like I'm always scared of Optic Gaming. Like I I can't say I particularly like that team winning, and uh, <laughs> I'm always skeptical to count them out. You know, but I guess right now you have to put them behind LG. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't agree. say it's necessarily think... clear cut. Yeah, I, w I would definitely say that, you know, tier one is definitely rising red, but I'd say like not even tier two, more like tier like 1.5 would be yeah, yeah. LG Opt. I, LG and Optic are just so neck and neck, right? I mean, they're one and one against each other. LG won when it mattered, but I mean, again, they're they're any given day they could beat each other. I think United. I, I don't know if I could throw them in like that tier because they're just so wildly inconsistent, but it's like they've proven they can beat anyone in the game. So, you know, you got TK, you can't count out, you know, even, you know, I mean, at, we're at the point in the game now where 
everyone knows how to play the game on a fundamental level. And it's largely going to come down to your SNDs and your execution. I mean, simple as that, right? I mean, SND is the only game mode where there's kind of some leverage in, ter- in terms of strats. Uh, everyone knows how to play the game, the respawn game modes. There's not a whole, there's no secrets there. And it's just going to come out, come down to who's shooting better, who's who's communicating better, and who's focusing up more. I mean, that's that's where we're at, at this point in the game. I don't know if I necessarily fully agree with that assessment. I think S and D for sure in terms of the strategy, but I think in hard points there are definitely different styles that teams have. Like, not everyone plays the game exactly the same, and it's about who's winning the gunfights. Like. Red Reserve is one of the only teams I see consistently on Doc's hardpoint, on the second hardpoint. At about 45 seconds, the other team is spawning out, so say Red's in the hill, the other team's spawning out lower Doc's, they're going to push around the back by the bus, and Zero like always tries to flank through mid-gate and get behind them. And he's like, that's like one of the only teams I've seen do that. So there are still some tricks of the trade out that you can play with. And there's definitely certain team dynamics as to whether you send a player to the old hill or whether you... There's still decisions to be made, which like some teams do better than others. But um, I take your point, I guess. No, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. (laughs) I would argue that Red is an outlier, uh, but... There is no, I mean, there's definitely some skill gap, which is kind of leads into uh, the question I wanted to get into, which was, is there a skill gap in World War II? Now, uh, I'll start real quick. I think that for everyone that says there's no skill gap, that's why this game is so random, I think that's largely bullshit. I'm just going to be honest. I think that, I mean, look at Rise. Look at look at players like Gunless and Slasher who have been so consistently above the re- virtually the rest of the pack throughout the entire year. Um, I, I think that they demonstrate that there most certainly is a skill gap. Uh, they've been so consistently dominant throughout the entire, entire game, really. And I, I just think that the the reason why I think we're seeing so many uh, inconsistent I don't even know if inconsistent is the right word just just sort of teams like Unilad coming out and showing out is just that I think that it's more so due to the fact that the competition is just you know this is something I mentioned I feel like every podcast but the competition is just it's at an all time high and it's only getting better and. You're, you can't it's not this isn't jetpack these aren't jetpack cards you can't just solely rely on your gun skill and i think that you know we all we talk about it time and time again you know positioning is more important uh rotating early like you touched on is more important so you know i i think that there is something to be said that the skill gap isn't massive you know we're talking we're not talking cs level skill gap of course call of duty is still a relatively simple game but at the same time, I, I think that the, the argument, the idea that there's no skill gap, I, I do think is bullshit. What about what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you entirely, really. I, I just find it, hmm, I find it really interesting when there, there was a comment on the subreddit like this, or maybe it was on the Optic game and subreddit like, not surprising, this game has no skill gap or something like that. And it had like 50 upvotes. And I'm like, are you serious? Have you actually watched this year? Have you seen Rise Nation be like a dominant force? I know Seattle, there was like there was the meta change at the start with the two ARs coming into play. So the pool play 
um, results were all over the place. And then Rise Nation went on an absolute tear. Earlier in the year in the Pro League, they won like 13 series in a row on LAN. Here they walk away with another tournament. Like Red Reserve topped their division after the first two weeks. Rise Nation topped the division. Guess what two teams match up in the final? Like, I mean, the placings in this tournament are pretty much as you would expect, apart from a few outliers, which is what you get at every single tournament. Like, I, it's very difficult for people to for people to prove, say, that there's that the difference is there's no skill gap compared to just very high competition and certain teams preparing for their opponents much better than others. Now, I agree with the statement, which is like there's not as much skill gap in terms of shooting in terms of your pure aim. Like in the past games, the ability like that form was so good at like IW because he could move in the air and shoot super well, like better than anyone else in that game. And then in this game, he hasn't been the same dominant force. Slasher is, in my opinion, the best arrow in the game. Like, no questions asked. His positioning is impeccable. And communication is like such a big deal in this game. The skill gap is in slightly different areas. And I still think like this game isn't obviously incredibly complex. I think S and D actually, or maybe CTF is the least complex. S and D is probably the second least complex. I actually really, I actually think the complexity of hardpoint is something that is understated. Like the way spawns could be manipulated, the the amount of questions and decisions you have to make split second: Do I go left and right? Do I play to block this spawn or do I play for the time? And <sighs> there's a lot of questions to be answered in hardpoint. I definitely think there's there's a skill gap there, which maybe even the pros don't fully recognize. Because I see some pros saying this game doesn't have a skill gap. It's all about who turns up on the day. But I think that's bullshit, to be honest. I think the teams that practice the best and the teams that prepare the best and the teams that study the game and understand the game are, are going to run away with it. And I think that's why we've seen Rise dominate so much. Slasher is definitely a student of the game. So is Gunless. You know how many hours he plays? Um, I think that's why you see teams rise to the top. And I'm surprised, especially the pros, are, are so willing to just put it all down to random luck. Those are my thoughts. No, I, I agree 100%. I think we're on the same page with on this one. I mean, it, it's it, it's just so... I, I think I remember the exact comment you were talking about on the Optic subreddit. And it's just, pe- it's just people making excuses, to be honest. And you just... Yeah, for sure. You just got to roll your eyes at it. It's like... I mean, I will say... I think... And I agree with your point about Hardpoint. I think that... I, I would say SND is probably like maybe the most chaotic random game mode which is in this particular game which is weird to say but with all the different lanes and everything um on all the maps it's it, you can't watch every like i don't know the, the maps in this game do play weird for snd i, I will say that uh but i think mm-hmm. it's i think for hardpoint i agree with you 100 like i think people exaggerate how random the spawns are i think that they're largely pretty predictable like tell that to gunless i mean gunless knows them like the back of his hand and yeah you know you see the results he produces so you know i think the spawns aren't perfect i don't think either one of us are saying the spawns are perfect but 
there are absolutely uh, you know, ways to put yourself above the rest of the competition. Again, look at Gunless, look at Slasher, look at Kenny, look at you know Zuma. I mean, th- these are players that have been consistently above uh, the rest of the the rest of the pack throughout the entire year. And the only way you get players like that is by having a skill gap. So, uh, I, you know, yeah, we're on the same sure. page on this. I, I think we've pretty much made our points. Um, I Just think to we touch anything to... on spawns, because I think the spawns is an interesting question. It gets brought up a lot about the spawns are, but like the spawns aren't perfect. I, I don't, there's a lot of spawns that happen. The way the spawn logic works is not perfect. People spawn in places where it's not ideal, but it is consistent, like especially on, I would say, the bunker hard point on Arden Forest and the the Money Hill, like the parking lot, whatever it is on St. Marie, like those, the spawns are very close to the hill at the back. And it, it's very, it's quite common. People will see, like people complain about teams spawning behind bunker, like in the, you know, that area behind bunker where the attacking team spawns in S&D during yep. that hard point. But the spawns are very consistent. If you have a player in that position holding it, they will not spawn there every single time. And right. I see it too often for the pro teams, maybe not so much this event, but certainly at Seattle. I think it was at Seattle, maybe in the pro league, United, they pushed up too far and a player spawned behind them. And people were saying, oh, it's bullshit spawns or whatever. But it's not. If you have a player sitting back there, they will not spawn there. You can learn this. And you might complain, oh, like, you know, they shouldn't be spawning there. We've still got this part of the map controlled. Like, okay, whatever. But the spawn logic is consistent and it makes sense. And if you learn to have a player in that position the entire time for the first 30 seconds of the hard point, they will not spawn behind you. It Like, it will never happen. And yeah. like, it, ex- except in an extreme rare case, which I've never seen ever, most of the spawn, like the complaints about spawns I see, like are relatively uh, generally based on how the spawn logic works rather than the consistency of the spawns. And if you learn it, as you say, like players like Gunless and the top players, they know how the spawns work, even if they're not perfect, and you can play around them. And I, I, I don't think it's as big of a problem as people say. No, I agree 100. percent I think uh, I think uh, anchoring is what you're referring to. I think that that's something we discovered back in Black Ops 2. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I, the only I think the hills that are sort of contest hills are the only ones where you could really I see the argument for the spawns being kind of random. You know, for example, uh, first hill on Arden. We've seen, you know, players be inside bunker. That hill is horrible on yeah. the second rotation. You get so many split spawns. Yeah. That hill, like, you literally, you, you don't want to get initial time on that hill. If you get initial, like, they split, you should just, on that hill, you should just keep playing for old, and then the other team rotates, and then you'll just get split spawn 90% of the time. Unless it's the other so team is being really careful mid, with it. And, oh, God, I hate that hill. I think... Like yeah, like I awful. said, I, I think there's a there's a case to be made for a few of the, a few of the contest hills, um, on the hardpoint maps that are 
there's definitely some questionable spawns, but I think, like you said, mentioned, the hills that require like anchoring and playing for spawns, I think are largely pretty consistent. Um, you know, I'm sure some of the pros would disagree, but look, I, me and you have been watching pretty closely this entire year. And again, you know, talk to Gunless, talk to Slasher, talk to, yeah. you know, a lot of these top players, they have, they've demonstrated that, you know, there is a way to learn the spawns in this game. Um, but guys, the only map I that th- is terrible is like is Gibraltar. Is just like that the spawns on that map are. It's way too hard to influence them, and the the hills are like too short. In that, like, say there's twenty five seconds left on the second hill. There's no point even playing for you. You just need to push up and take me map control. And it is kind of the same thing with the other, with the third hill as well. Like two money hills back to back on the opposite sides of the map just just isn't good map design. So I think the, the issues with the spawns generally are Gibraltar, I don't think is a very good map. I was actually very surprised that Red played it against Rose in the second series because Gibraltar is a map that is all about the rotations, but it's it's kind of about the important gunfights on rotation, I feel like there's... Some people might say that Gibraltar is okay, it's a very skill-dependent map because it's all about your rotation, so it's about how well your team's coordinating. But I don't think it's the case at all. I think that map so often comes down to, like, an individual gunfight at the back of the hill that wins the spawns and gives them the next 60 seconds. Like, there's so many individual gunfights which decide the entire map on Gibraltar that... I I feel like anyone can win it. I feel like if I'm a team like Epsilon or Tainted Minds, I'm trying to play Gibraltar every single series because that's a map that you can take just with a few clutch kills and it's not hard to hold the hills on the map at all. So I was very surprised Rise, uh, Red played it against Rise because like Red seemed like the better hardpoint team of the event to me and I was surprised that they played a map which I deemed to be so 50-50. But back to the point on spawns that get carried away. The only the only problems I really have with it is, in some cases, the spawn logic is messed up, and then for Gibraltar especially, and Flak Tower as well. Flak Tower CTF is also awful. Yes. It, the map design does not allow for good spawn logic. It's just too small. I mean, I think Flak Tower it's it's just too damn small. I, I think the like the structure of the map isn't too bad. It's you know it's three laned. Uh, it's you know it's pretty flat. Not too many levels to it, but it's just too damn small. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. For for a 7.5 second respawn timer as well, it's so difficult as an attacking team to kill a player and know where they're going to spawn. A map like Arden is like, you kill the guy, you know in 7.5 seconds, you know where your team's going to position, you know exactly where he's going to spawn. Flak Tower, he can spawn in about six different locations. Arden Forest, if you're attacking from good side, they either spawn at the back or they spawn out... Uh, or whatever you want to call that like every single time flag tower you have no idea whether they're going to spawn at the back whether they're going to spawn under one of the guns it's just that map is so mad i I hate playing it and it's just it's a clusterfuck really yeah that map is stressful i cannot even imagine playing it with hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line but uh (laughs) tactical i appreciate you coming on man this was uh this was a lot of fun yeah, well, cheers for having me. I'd like, I love to thoughts off my chest. Like, don't have many, many opportunities to do it, and you're a good person to share the ideas with. 
Awesome, and uh, I think we bounce on each other nicely. Yeah, we'll definitely do this so, again sometime. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I apologize for a few of the audio cutouts I had. I think that uh, my connection with Tactical on the Discord was a little messed up, but uh, I do apologize for that. But uh, with that said, guys, um, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to uh, follow me on Twitter for the latest updates. Be sure to subscribe to me on YouTube for the latest episodes. And uh, also be sure to uh, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes if you enjoyed the episode. It really helps out, uh, you know, getting to know, get, get better figuring out what you guys want, what I can improve upon. Uh, with that said, guys, thanks for tuning in. And I will see you guys on Sunday.